0: Good evening. How's everyone doing? You guys doing good? Yeah. Okay, um, I'm really excited to be at Yonsei again. I come here every single semester. I personally, I graduated from Yuhua Women's University, so are there Iwha girls here? Come on! Yeah. Oh yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So, uh, I graduated a few years ago, uh, and um, yeah, Yuhua's a good school, but also is a good school, I know that too. So, um, yeah. Good to be here. Excited to speak tonight. Are you guys ready to receive the word of God? Before I do that, though, I'm going to ask the student leaders to hand out those flyers that I brought today. Quick, quick, quick. So you you guys could get two and then two each. Why don't you guys grab two each and then pass it down to your neighbors? Everyone have it? Can I get one, too? Let me see. So this flyer is Good Friday Service Flyer, which is beautifully designed by our very own Pastor Marcus Corpening from New Philly. Really beautiful, right? Um, uh, this upcoming Friday is Good Friday. Good Friday is a Friday that Jesus uh, hung on the cross. So we call it Good Friday, ironically, but it was a really good day. And then if you come out to this service, you will find out the depths of that truth more. So if you want to celebrate the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, Uh, For the redemption of our souls, you guys can come out to aim a service. This is uh, all the international ministries, all the EMs gathered together. Um, So the seats are limited. So you guys are invited, but if you want to really take a seat and really uh, sit up front, you guys will have to kind of come earlier than 730. But I want to really invite you guys to come out. And I'll have a meaningful experience of Good Friday, celebrating with all these other foreigners and other brothers and sisters together. So it's at uh, Gangnam Station. It's kind of far from here, but it's on green two. I mean, green line, line two. Green two. <laughs> green line, line number two. So you guys are definitely welcome to join us for this service. So the reason why I told you to take two is one is for you. The other one is for your Yeah, for your friends. So whoever speaks English, give it to them, you know. If you know anyone, oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I don't go to church, this is a perfect uh, opportunity to invite them out. Your um, roommates, your classmates, whoever that may be, uh, you guys could just give one to your friend to really bring out. And in today's message, um, I'm just going to talk about Jesus tonight. Are you guys okay with that? I hope you came to hear about him And I came here to talk about him. So I hope we're in mutual agreement. But I really uh, want to drive something home, a very simple truth. So I want to just ask everyone to um, humble yourself before the word of God. So this is not something that I always say before I preach, but this is something that I noticed when I go to preach uh, to a very smart intellectual crowd, especially college students. They think that they know everything in the world, you know? <laughs> you know. But uh, especially in that kind of setting, I noticed that people kind of zone out when they feel like, oh, I know about this topic, right? So I want to challenge you guys to think this way. If you cannot preach this sermon to someone that you know, then pay attention. If you cannot share this story without, like, you know, jacking up the story and mixing it all up and making some, uh, some biblical extra truth, you know, and stuff like that, then I want to encourage you to really pay attention and really listen to the truth. And let the Word of God really set you free. Amen? So today, I, today's sermon title is this, Saved From What? What in all caps, okay? Saved from what? If you're taking notes, you're welcome to write it down. But what has to be all in caps. Saved from what? Okay. So obviously, I'm going to talk about how Jesus saves. But for us to say, you know, if you, especially if you grew up in church, a lot of people talk about, oh, I'm saved. I got saved when I was eight. I got saved at this retreat. We always talk about being saved or not. But when we say that, what are we talking about? Oh, I'm saved. Saved from what? What are you saved from? You know, saved. So we always throw this term around. Hey, are you saved? Saved from what? You know? So that's what I want to talk about. We often, you know, especially in this Christian atmosphere, oh, yeah, I'm saved. I got saved. You know, Jesus saves. But what are you really saved from? And that's what I really want to talk about. So in one word, This is what you are saved from. I'm just going to give it to you right now, and then we're going to go into the details of it and different dimensions of it. It's this, S-I-N. It's called sin. You are saved from sin. Everyone say sin. You are saved from sin. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody's rejoicing. You needed that salvation, David. You know, it's something that you cannot take your take care of yourself about in your life. And I think in in uh, high school, in college, as we get older, you know, we've developed this thinking of now I can take care of myself. You know, I can hold a part-time job, you know, away from my parents. I can take care of myself. But that idea of I can take care of myself is really about very, like, small things about your life. You know, supporting yourself. Make, I mean, that's not small. But – In comparison to your eternity, in comparison to your soul, in comparison to those things that actually matter for eternity, like the fact that, oh, now I can take care of myself, that's a very um, small statement. Do you guys agree? So I think a lot of college students develop that kind of prideful attitude sometimes. I can take care of myself, but you cannot take care of your sin. That's what I'm trying to say today. You know, your Bible, if you look at your Bible, there's only a few pages of peace at the very beginning. The creation, the Garden of Eden, and then what enters into the scene is the snake. And then the sin enters into the human beings, and from that point on, your Bible gets very dirty, very violent. It goes all crazy, and until the end, constantly deals with sin, the issue of sin. You know, your, your book of Bible, it gets so complicated because of the entering of the sin into our human history. So I want to talk about what sin really does to you and what you are actually saved from. Number one, I want everyone to repeat. Number one is punishment. Everyone say punishment. I didn't drink any water all day, so. My mouth is really dry. <coughs> I'm choking. <coughs> but punishment. <coughs> oh, sorry, I kept doing that. <laughs> into the mic. <coughs> um, punishment. Punishment, if you put it in a really easy, like realistic way, if you broke uh, like, a law in Korea, you gotta uh, uh, either pay penalty, right? Money, or go to jail or you don't want to. (laughs) But punishment is something that when you broke a rule or law or something, in turn, you have to pay back for that offense. That's just the simplistic way to put it. So punishment, it just means that you are in debt. You need to pay something back. Something to pay back. The feeling of I, I owe someone something is not a good feeling, isn't it? You know, accumulating student loan is not a good feeling, right? I recently paid it all off, so praise the Lord. It's an awesome feeling when you are debt-free. You don't owe nobody nothing, you know, that I don't have to pay back anything to anyone. That's a really great feeling. But even in the Bible, Matthew chapter 18, I believe, it talks about, Jesus just describes the concept of forgiveness by using the um, means of currency. It talks about money, you know a servant, and then there's a king, and then another servant comes. And then in that story, if you are really not sure about what I'm talking about, you can read um, Matthew chapter 18 a little later when you go home. But just to summarize, the king uh, cancels the debt for this one servant, a huge amount of debt that the servant could never pay back. But then this servant that rejoiced home because of the cancellation of the debt, he actually had a friend that owed him a little bit of money, like Imanon, right, let's say. And then that servant refuses to cancel the this debt for their friend. And that ends up sending that other friend to jail, right? And the king hears about that story later, and what does he do? He sends that man to jail and lets the guards to torture him. Did I butcher the story or summarize it fine? You guys got the point, right? You guys got the point, right? So Jesus is sharing this story to teach you about the concept of forgiveness. So punishment and forgiveness is very closely related. So it's like this, you broke the law, then you pay the penalty, you pay your punishment, and then you are now forgiven. Your offense is gone. That's just how the law works, right? Uh, you kill someone, go to jail for 30 years, and then you're out, then now you're, you're forgiven. That's how the law system, the legal system works, right? And I don't know how many of you felt this way ever before, but that feeling of there's a debt in my life that I can never pay back. I'm going to live with this debt that I owe this person for my entire life. That feeling of burden, that feeling is not a good feeling. Did anyone ever feel that way before? Not just talking about like money, but I'm talking about like the forgiveness. So when I was in middle school, um, I uh, went to. A, I grew up in Korea, so I lived in a city called Busan. And now, uh, in my middle school, my middle school was a girls-only middle school. So my school had 800, 900 girls, and um, I was really popular amongst the girls. That doesn't mean anything, but I was really um, <laughs> popular amongst my friends. All my friends liked me. I was a class rep, um, you know, every single year. And then um, toward the end of my second year. Uh, My circle of friends, my crew, my girls, they turned their back against me overnight. And what ended up happening was they hung out without me one night, and then they decided to wangta me. Uh, You guys know what that means? Uh, So they decided to um, isolate me? Bully me. Yeah, bully is a better word. They decided to just bully me overnight. And then the following day, I remember just freaking out when I found out that all of their attitude changed, the way they looked at me changed, and extreme um, case of just rejection, a lot of bullying actually happened, physical, emotional, verbal, whatever you could imagine, and I just went through that for the entire year, and then it wasn't just the five girls, ended up spreading to the entire school, so it kind of just became like the whole, like a school-wide game thing, so everyone will cuss at me, everyone will bully me. Uh, and just they just had a fun of it, but it 's just simple nature of human beings. you know You see someone suffer, and then some people just rejoice. They some for some reason find satisfaction in some other people 's suffering and that 's what ended up happening in my school and And I remember what really tortured me wasn 't even the fact that i didn 't have any friends. What really tortured me was yeah, th- there was definitely a fear, you know fear of people. All this stuff was really difficult, but the one thing that really mm, bothered, the, bothered me, to say the least, the most was the fact that they would not forgive me. So I remember this one day, uh, the entire school came to my class, and like, the hallway was packed out with girls trying to watch me. I was like an animal in the zoo. And I remember uh, all my girls, they surrounded me, and they were just accusing me in front of everyone. You know, there were rumors about me and all that stuff. And they were cussing me out. And I remember I couldn't take it anymore. So I just got up and I started screaming, come on there! like that. <laughs> Please stop. I just screamed because I was about to just lose my mind and go insane. So I was like, come on. And then everyone kind of just froze. What the heck had just happened to her? And uh, I remember um, I followed them out to the hallway. And then one of the girls, among, amongst the five, I actually bullied her first. So I I led my group of girls to bully her. I mean, I had reasons, but it wasn't, you know, that was also my sinful nature. But, you know, so I just wanted her forgiveness towards me, right? So I remember grabbing her arm, and I got down on my knees in front of everyone, entire school, they were making fun of me. But I got down on my knees and with tears rolling down my face, I said, could you just please forgive me? You don't have to be my friend again. I'm not asking for that. Could you just simply say just once, can you forgive me? And she just looks at me. She starts to cry. And then she goes, no, I can never forgive you. I will never forget. And don't you, don't you. Don't ever do this to anyone else again. And then she just walked away. And then after that, I never had a restored relationship with her. So that really was the moment that, more than bullying or anything, that's what really shattered my heart. That's what really shut my heart to people in general, to friends in general. And I just feel like I just made this room um, too um, serious. It's okay, I'm healed and delivered. <laughs> I'm healthy and I'm happy. I'm smiling, so don't worry, okay? You can smile, okay? But, um, but back then, that really um, devastated me, right? Just that one word, I kept hearing that word um, every single day. I'll never be forgiven. She will live her entire life hating me, you know, remembering me as someone that tortured her. And I know the pain because I did the same thing to her. You know and that one that that guilt, that shame, I think it has followed me all the way to when I really met Jesus. but what I'm trying to get to is that with the punishment, you know sin really needs to be we, we need, someone has to pay for the punishment, someone has to pay for the sin, you know, and um this feeling like I owe someone. no matter what i do she wouldn't forgive me you know i got on my knees what more can i do you know i did anything i could do i tried everything to please her but then she would not forgive me and that feeling of just complete helplessness okay this is how it's gonna be i'll never be forgiven and just that feeling guilt that shame um it would just haunt me and um You know the bible says the wage of sin is death we're talking about sin tonight and this one bible verse is something that we can never forget wage of sin is death right that just means that for your sin what you need to repay is your your, your life right but this is not just talking about your physical death you know, oh, you mess. You know, some big company CEOs they mess up their stuff, and then they say, "Oh, I'll take care of it." You know, I'll take all the responsibility, and they kill themselves. But does that really solve anything? No, <laughs> it solves nothing, right? So that really doesn't pay for anything. So we're not talking about physical death. I'm talking about eternal death, eternal death of our soul, and that's what sin requires as a repayment. You know, and if we are not able to do that, we are in debt, in that dead forever you know we owe god who is the righteous judge the incredible amount of debt that we can never pay him back forever you know we live under the guilt live under the shame live under the burden and that's what we were really destined for are you guys following me so because that was situation somebody had to take the penalty right but who is good enough to take the penalty I'm not good enough. I'm already a sinner. My life doesn't do anything to that situation. But can someone else die for me? Who would die for me? You know, even if someone volunteers, I say, Susie does. I don't think you will, but <laughs> if you ever do, right? Susie says, I will die for Pastor Myoma because I love her so much. But then God, God will look at her and probably say, Susie, sorry, you're not good enough. You know, you yourself is a sinner, girl. <laughs> Take care of your sin first, you know. Don't want about other people's sin because you can't even take care of your own sin so you are stuck completely stuck helpless i cannot pay no one else can pay for me i'm just stuck in this situation i'm in debt forever and this is an incredible amount of debt that's going to lead me to eternal death this is what we are saved from guys you know sometimes people ask a lot of non-believers god does whatever he wants to do why can't he just cancel the debt then You know, in the story, it makes it kind of look easy. The king comes into the story. King says to the servant, I will just cancel the debt. You know, you don't have to pay me back. I'll just cancel it. And people say, why can't just God do that? Yeah, you did this wrong, that wrong, a bunch of stuff wrong, countless stuff, you know, all these sins. But I'll just, you know what? I'll just, I'll just ignore that. I'll just act like it never happened. You know what? I'll cancel that. Is that really God that we believe? I really don't think so, guys. The Bible says God is the righteous judge. Everyone say righteous judge. A righteous judge doesn't just let go of offense because he feels like it. Then he is not righteous. You know, think about it. I always use this analogy of a village. And then let's say there is a judge in that village. And this is a horrible example because I have a brother. Um, let's say I have a—I don't have a sister, so I'll, let, I'll talk about a sister. Let's say my sister got raped and murdered in my village. Oh, violence! I'm sorry, guys, but to illustrate the the how bad it was, let's say the sin that committed to my sister. My sister got horribly, horribly killed. What? Let's say you know the worst thing that could happen it happened to her. And then I bring this case, me and my parents, I bring this case to the judge of the town. And then the judge goes, "Mm, I feel really good today. So I'm just going to, you know what, cancel the case. And you are forgiven. You can just go to the, what is it, the name, the the, the criminal, the offender, right? Then are you guys going to be happy with the decision that the king made, that the judge made? Will you ever call him a righteous judge? Never, right? And why why are we trying to turn God into a monster judge like him? You know, if our God is really a God of righteousness, if he's a God of justice, he has to have someone pay for the sin, right? Whether that's a penalty, whether that's a pun, what no matter what, what term it is, he has to take care of it in a just way. And that is the king that Jesus is. Our God is righteous king. And he's not going to just forget about it. But no, someone has to pay for the sin. That's why we are in trouble. And if you look at the history of your Bible, how many of you here watched the movie called Noah? Raise your hands if you did. Movie Noah. Oh, none of you did? Well, I thought this movie was really popular. You guys know people that watched it. Did Did they like it? No, not at all. Talked about like, some creatures of rock and stuff like that. But anyways, I'm not going to watch it. I don't think it's worth my money or time. But a lot of people are watching the movie. Um, so I'm just thinking, you guys know about the flood, the Noah's flood. You know, a very famous story of how God sent the flood. But you guys have to understand, why did God send the flood? It was because he regretted creating man, creating human beings. Why? Because... Sin was all over the place. And he said he was grieved, and I regret creating you guys, so I'm just going to wipe you guys all away. That's what God ends up doing. And he sends a crazy amount of rain, and then everything, you know, except for Noah and his family, and then a pair, each of each animal, everything else gets wiped away. And that's how God had to take care of sin. Dirty stuff kicked in, then you got to wash it out, right? So how God took care of it? first step was he washed it off, right? And he tried it. But then guys, right after the chapter that talks about Noah and the Noah's flood, the chapter after the flood sub right? And then immediately after Noah gets naked and gets drunk and his, his son sin against, sin against his father, Noah. And then the chapter after, guess what it is? Tower of Babel. Okay. Flood really didn't do anything, you know? Let me send incredible amount of water to see if this takes care of the sin. And then the truth, I mean, God probably already knew, but the water doesn't do it. Man, washing doesn't do it. Taking a shower after committing a sin, it doesn't cleanse you. It's not the water or soap that cleanses you. God tried it. He washed the entire earth. It was not washed immediately after they started sinning again. So you move on to the Old Testament, right? And then with the law, what comes is a sacrifice system, right? And what what Israelites had to do is they had to put their own sin on these spotless, pure, poor animals, right? had to put my so if I'm doing the sacrifice, I gotta put my sin, the Israelites, my neighbors, my moms, my dads, all my sin upon this animal and I sacrifice this goat or sheep or dove and kill and shed the blood. And then the blood was what uh, redeemed my sin. So through that blood I was forgiven right? So, and then there are Bible verse that says, without the shedding of the blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. So you have to bring a blood of a pure animal, an innocent, a spotless animal. And that system went on for like, how many years? Pastor David, how many years? Oh, scratching his head, <laughs> you know, for many years, okay? <laughs> for many years, that system went on, the entire Old Testament. Could you imagine how many animals they had to kill? Every single year, every single time, they had, oh, poor animals. I'm an animal lover. Come on, seriously? And I bet if, if that system kept on, maybe we would not see any animals on the streets they would be dead. You know, we'll need all the cats. You know, we'll need all the dogs. You know, anything and everything, they had to shed that blood for us. That's what the system was like. So that blood took care of our sin. But can that continue, guys? No, you cannot. So God had to take care of our sin, had to save us from the sin, the punishment. That's why he ended up sending the Lamb of God. Not just an animal, but Son of God. Jesus Christ, who was perfect, spotless, the creator of the world, had to come to the world to be killed by those who were created by him. Doesn't that just boggle your mind? He came to be killed by those who he created. That's what he had to do. He shed his blood, and that's what washed away our sin forever. Not just, you know, one animal and takes care of one family, not like that. The creator God died. So whoever came from him and through him, the entire the sin of the universe has been wiped away by his blood. Because the creator himself came down, and his blood was shed, right? And he was the only one that was able to do that for our sin. And that's what God chose to do to take care of our punishment. He was punished so that we don't have to be punished. He took my punishment so that I will be dead free. So now, if anyone asks you, you know, for all the sins that you commit, what do you owe God? I'll confidently say I don't owe him anything. It's been already paid for. Jesus' blood paid it all so that I don't have to pay for anything. The punishment that you had to pay the death, it's been paid for. Therefore, you are saved. You're saved from punishment, guys. Punishment. Nobody likes punishment. Talk to little kids on the streets. Talk to kids in Africa, in Europe, in Asia, everywhere you go, nobody likes to be punished. You know, but God took that away. He saved us from punishment. Everyone say punishment. punishment. Know that you are saved from that punishment. Number two is, uh, repeat after me, wrath. The wrath of God. This is dealing with emotions, guys. Wrath is emotion. Do you know that God has emotions? He's a joyful God, right? He has emotion of joy. Love. Love is also part of our emotion, right? He's a, he, God is love. He also has anger. He has his wrath. That's what I want to talk about right now. You know, when someone terribly wrongs me, right, in a relationship, that makes me, obviously, angry. Have you guys ever gotten angry at someone that you really love? Right? The more you love someone, actually, when that person offends you, the, the angrier you get. Right? If, if that person really matters to you, and then a the person does something to wrong you, that angers you more than someone that you don't really care, right? So, you know, we talk, to, we talk about, like, love-hate relationship. I don't know if you have someone that you could describe your relationship with. I have a few people like that. It's a love-hate relationship. I love you, but I also hate you. You know? (laughs) You know, I think we all have something like that. But that does not apply to God's case. Because we're talking about not just, oh, I'm fija at you. You know, a little bit of anger and attitude towards you. We're talking about God-sized wrath. I'm talking about, like, atomic bomb. I'm talking about, like, if it touches you, you are dead. God is angry at you. You know what he hates the most? Oh, what we're talking about tonight. He hates sin, guys. He hates sin, right? And talk about the wrath of God that you don't want to deal with. it. You don't want to look at it. You don't want to receive it. You just don't want it, period. That, I'm talking about the God-sized anger, and but, but at the same time, God has God-sized love for us as well, you know? But this wrath, when you're angry at someone, I'm not just angry, but like something serious. I, I, I keep bringing up some serious stuff. Like if a husband cheats on a wife, wife is going to get Really angry, right? You guys agree, girls? Are you gonna get angry or not? I'm gonna get angry, okay? Someone's gonna get hurt that night, <laughs> you know. That brings obviously a broken relationship. You know, my my relationship with my husband—I'm not married, by the way. You know, if he cheats on me, my relationship with him the night I found out is not gonna be the same. That relationship will be broken. You know, there's gonna be a huge gap. He's hard, my heart, it's gonna be like a thousand miles away. You know, I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna wanna be near him, you're kidding me? Wrath, the anger, the relationship gets broken off through sin. How many times did you guys see that result of sin, like the the, the anger, the, the anger, the bitterness between relationships that separates it, you know? But how much more when we were living in sin, God being the righteous God. That has a God sized red, right? Towards sin, there was a huge gap between us and Him. So we had ended up having a broken relationship with God. And that is not a good thing. No one wants to have a broken relationship with, with God, okay? And when we talk about Jesus, you know, you guys watched the movie called um, uh, The Passion of Christ? Oh, I'm I'm not the only one that didn't watch it. I couldn't because I just couldn't handle all the blood and uh, stuff, the nails and oh, no. So, but I watched like little bits and pieces of the movie. But if you watch the movie, people after I saw, I heard about a lot of salvation stories after the movie. It's really good. And, you know, what really we get to see with our physical eyes, what happens to Jesus is that beating, spitting like his blood nailing, hanging on the cross, all the graphic, physical torture and death that he has to go through, right? But you know what? In the history, if you really look at the Christian history, the murders, not not murders, oh my gosh, martyrs, (laughs) (laughs) martyrs, Similar, but not really. Martyrs, right? Martyrs are those who died for Christ's sake, okay? The martyrs, if you look at the history, there are people that were burnt alive. There are people that were crucified upside down. There are people that are literally cut to pieces. Okay, I'm going to stop. You guys could imagine. Worst type of death that you could ever imagine, okay? There are countless martyrs for Christ in this world. But, you know, and people say, but, you know, all those people died for Christ. Well, Jesus died on the cross. Isn't that extraordinary, you know? You know, other people could do it as well, you know. Did you guys ever think that? I had that. Oh, you didn't think that? I thought that too. But, you know, I was thinking, you know, but other apostles are, you know, they were crucified upside down. And that sounds a little more hard, you know, harsher, you know, anyway. So. But what really makes Jesus' death on the cross extraordinary, guys, is not the level of physical pain he went through. It's the fact that he received the fullness of the wrath of God. Martyrs, guys, they died in the joy of the Lord. They died in the peace of knowing I'm going to heaven. I'm going to see the Lord face to face. I'm dying for his glory. So if you hear their stories, they are dying, they're burning alive and they're smiling, they're praising the Lord. There are accounts of people, like a whole bunch of Jewish people, the the emoji. What's 십자군? Crusade, yeah, the the, the 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 crusaders, you know. It's church history, but then they will like put all the Jewish people into a lock, lock them into a church and then they will just set the church on fire. To kill them all. And it was a common scene. And they will hear them singing praise songs in the burning church. They're all dying together. But then they will be worshiping Jesus together in that moment. You know, they die in glory, guys. Martyrdom is actually an honor. The fact that you could die for Christ that way. And some people actually, like, pray for that and stuff like that. But anyways, that's crazy. But... What Jesus had to go through is not like that, guys. It's not really a glorious death. I'm going to see the Lord face to face. I'm going to see my father. No. What he faced on the moment on the cross was the wrath of God, God's anger, the essence of it being poured out upon his very son. You know, and Jesus, right before he goes to the cross, the Gethsemane, the Mount, and he's praying. He's sweating. Uh, blood and his prayer is let this cup pass if it's possible god if it is your will let it pass he's not talking about he's not just talking about being on the cross or not he's talking about this cup of wrath god i don't want to drink it father i don't know if i can drink it That's why he was sweating blood because he was in agony, in fear of facing the wrath of God face to face, being poured out upon him on the cross. And he did it. That's what you are saved from. Not just three nails on your body, not just painful death. What you are saved from is the wrath of God being poured out upon you. Place of wrath equals with one word, it's hell. This is a theological kind of. There's a lot of debate about this. So some people think that Jesus actually went down to hell after he died, right? Because if hell means, by definition, being separated from God, God's presence, absence of God is hell. Let's say, then Jesus was completely cut off from the presence of God. Can you imagine? Even non-believers that live today, they are under the grace of God. There's air. There's provision. You know, season change, you know, all that stuff. They live under the grace of God. But can you imagine completely being cut off from God's presence altogether? His goodness altogether. His love altogether. Nothing. Hell. is th- That's definition of hell, I think. Absence of God in its completion. And if that's what Jesus had to go through, because the wrath of God was poured out upon him, then... You know, you could say he tasted hell for you when that was your place. That's what had to come upon you. And he took that for you. He took that for us. Man, what are you saved from? You're saved from hell. Saved from the wrath of God. So now when God looks at you, he's not angry at you. If you put your faith in Christ Jesus, he doesn't look at you and say, you sinner, how dare you sit there with your head up? He's not doing that, guys. He's like, my precious daughter, my precious son. He does not have any bitterness, any anger, any grudges against you. He's not angry at you. His wrath is drink. Jesus drank God's wrath all the way. That cup is empty it's not going to fall upon you. Even when you make mistakes, even when you fall, there's not a drop left. Completely, he drank it all. What are you saved from? Seriously? The wrath. The wrath of God. So that you are able to be reconciled. When I uh, Earlier I said, if I'm ang- really, really, really angry at someone, I can't be in peaceful relationship with that person, right? But when that anger is lifted, When the bitterness is gone, the relationship gets restored. Praise the Lord. That's what happened. Because Jesus took the cup of rest, no longer, he's not angry at us anymore. And what does that bring to us? Reconciliation. We are reconciled back to our Father. There's no more wall. There's more hostility. There's no more walking on eggshells. There's no more of that, no more fear. You are reconciled to him in its perfection. Amen? Remember, hear this to preach, okay? Hear this to preach. Third thing I want to mention is this. Everyone say, consequences. You know, sin has a consequence. If I s- steal something, that's sin. If I steal something, that means if I steal something from like Jihe, that means Jihe got robbed, right? Something that belonged to her is now stolen. Does it make sense? If I, uh, I don't want to use terrible examples anymore. If I, like, punch David, right? Uh, not a good example either. <laughs> right, you, you guys got my point. There's always consequences. You know, if there's offender, there's always a victim. Let's just put it that way. Offender, victim. If I offend someone, there's also a victim. You know, and how many of you here claims to be sinless? You know, have you guys ever hurt some, somebody physically, emotionally, with your words, with your action? I think I did that today. I, like, blew up on the phone with someone that you probably know, but I'm not going to say. <laughs> but <laughs> consequences, you know. If I yell at somebody, that person's hurt. Probably going to cry after hanging up. You know, but consequences. Offender and there's victim. And there is sometimes trauma. By it, you know, all sorts of stuff. What about consequences, guys? If there's sin, there's consequences. And this is the verse that really turned my life around. Because, you know, I used to think what's done is done, just gotta move on. You know, what's done is done, damage is done, just move on. But this is the verse that really turned everything upside down in my life. And it's when it says, God turns all things for the good of those who love him. I love that verse so much. And the longer I live, I find it truer and truer. And it can't be more true than this. I see in every single person that I meet in God, he turns all things. When he says all, it means all. He turns all ugly and gross, dirty things into beautiful things. And that's just how he does things. He redeems things. He redeems memories. He turns victims into victors. He heals the wounded. He always takes care of the mess, the consequence of our sin on our behalf. So we are saved from being responsible for the consequences. So thankful for this, guys. This really brings me so much peace, and I hope you feel this way as well. Now, let me kind of finish off the Wangta story that I shared earlier, what happened to me in middle school, all the bullying that happened. And, um, you know, ever since, ever since that thing happened, I was 15, right, 15, and I, lived, I moved on, you know. I said goodbye. I moved to a school that was really far away from them, and I just wanted to shut all emotions out. And my thing was, I don't need friends anymore. Because all friends have disappointed me. So I'm just going to go to college and pretend all is cool and all is well. And I'm just going to, all I need is family. My mom, my dad, my brother. That's it. Right? That was my mentality. And one friend from high school, actually, too. But that was my mentality. And then when I went to college, God, um, it's a long story, but uh, my professor took me out to church. And you uh, all has chapels and my roommate was Christian, and God just dropped me in the middle of, like, Christian ocean. That's how I felt. Man, I thought I was, I fell under some Christian curse or something. It was scary, because whoever I would meet, they would talk about Jesus. They would offer to pray for me. They would try to dr- drag me out to church, and I was like, what the heck is going on? Because I grew up with no Christian background whatsoever. But he dropped me in the middle of all these Christians, and those, those people have become my family now, you know? And, um... But when I heard about gospel, what really hit it home to me was the fact that Jesus is waiting to forgive me. Forgiveness was such a big deal in my heart. So ever since that moment of her saying, I'll never forgive you, it was a huge rock that would just block everything in my heart. It was so big that the moment I heard forgiveness, what? What? It would just draw my attention. And not only that, he will forgive me for what I did to her, but everything else that I did wrong in my life and other things that I will probably do wrong in the future, when I heard Jesus can and he will take care of all of that and he will forgive me for that, I was like, I want that. I want that, Jesus. I want to be forgiven. And that's how I was able to come to Christ within, mm, within like a month of hearing the gospel for the first time. Why? Because forgiveness, God made it something, God made it to be something so heavy and so dear to my heart. And when I knew that forgiveness is, you know, when when it was offered to me, I grabbed onto it. And I was like, I claimed it. And I cried like a baby, you know, like almost every day, huh? but like an entire year. Like, I'm serious. That feeling of, oh, my, man, the burden is lifted. the guilt is gone, man. I don't have to take care of the consequences. Amazing. And, you know, how cool is it that he really turns everything for the good of those who love him? That trauma of mine caused by those girls and their sins against me was turned into my salvation story. I sometimes wonder if I didn't go through that period of time. And if I wasn't a girl that thought so much about what forgiveness meant, I was a huge, so in high school we'll do like debates, you know, and then pro-life, uh, not pro-life, pro-choice, no. The um, death penalty debate, you know. Capital punishment, is that necessary or not? When, whenever we did the debate, man, I would like be the only one that will fight for Fight against the uh, capital, penal, capital punishment. Cause I was like, if they, re- what if they really, really turn away? What if they really change their mind? What if they really wanna live a life? That's when I didn't know about Jesus, by the way, guys. I never heard the gospel before at this point. But I would just say, like, what if they really regret what they did? What if they really wanna have a new life? You know, but are you still gonna kill that man because of the past? You know, I, I, that's how I thought. As someone that didn't even know about Jesus, why? Because I felt like I really tried my best to turn around and wanted, wanted a new beginning and wanted to be forgiven, but that opportunity wasn't given to me. That's why I felt that empathy toward those people. What if a few of them really want to turn around and live a new life? Why don't you give them a chance You know, that was me in high school. Because of that, I thought about it so much. And finally, hear the gospel. And that's what the gospel preaches, that he gives you a new life. And I was like, that's what I'm talking about. Jesus, you feel me? (laughs) You know what I'm talking about, you know? And that's why I ended up, you know, man, I got saved so radically. Telling you, consequences of sin. He can turn it into most beautiful and powerful testimonies. I have my testimonies, too. I have my own book in my heart, you know. And whenever I meet someone that is going through similar struggles, I turn to that page quickly and I share my story. And, man, that sets other people free, you know. Let them know, hey, well, you're not the only one. And how God turned that, that, that very struggle of mine for many, many years, how he turned it into a beautiful story like this. It's for you. The person takes it writes the same story, and then the person goes out, does the same thing. He turns all things for the good. You got to believe in that. You may think, man, you don't know what happened to me in the past. Hey, I know of orphans that were turned into princes and princesses, you know. I know of people that were extremely abused, but they are now drenched in the love and affection of God. You know, there's healing. There's hope. You're not stuck in the past. There's a new beginning. You are saved from the consequences. Whether you are the offender, whether you are the victim, either way, consequence of it, God will take care of it. Just give it to him. Give it to him. He will turn it for the good. And um, number four, almost home. Number four, everyone say curse. Curse is what you are saved from. I know of a sister. Her name is uh, Caroline. She's a dancer. She's like a powerful B-boy type of dancer. But she's like the most quiet and like, most proper girl ever. shyest girl ever. That's exactly how she talks. How was your day? And then you turn on the music. Man, she just breaks it down. Anyway, so she's not in our church anymore. But she, um, I, 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 I still, you know. Keep the relationship with her anyway. So she, I remember, I asked her about her testimony. And then this is what she said. Just, uh, just really simply to summarize. It's like from cursed to blessed. That's how she described it. She grew up thinking, because she her background story is crazy. I don't have time for that right now. But she grew up thinking, I am, I'm cursed. My life is a life of someone that's just cursed. No goodness in my life. You know. So to summarize her, before Jesus' life, one word will be cursed. I lived a life of just cursed one. And then through Christ, he turned it all into blessings. So Jesus said, I was cursed. I met Jesus. Now I am blessed. I live as one that is favored by God. I'm blessed now. The curse, guys, is a serious thing. Because um, if you read the Bible, the constant theme of it, and the reason why we are still in sin, you know, I'm um, generally speaking, the, the original sin, how that still affects us, think about it. Adam and Eve was, how many generations away are they? Seriously, how many years ago was that? Ch- Genesis chapter 3, you know, and we're talking about Adam and Eve. And that sin has been passed down to us. That is a strong curse, guys. You know, Bible talks about generational curses, how the sin of our generation will pass down to the three generations down. And then all that stuff, you know. So the generational curse is not not a joke in the Bible, okay? But then the the prime example of it, how Adam and Eve fell, they ate ate an apple— I don't know if it's the apple or whatever, but the fruits. And that sin, the original sin, has been passed down to generation, 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 generation to us. That's some serious generational curse that we are carrying. And it will not be broken off, right? My child will be born in sin. I'm not kidding about this, right? But this curse that is so strong that it had to pass down to thousands of generations, has been broken by Jesus becoming the curse himself. That's how he broke it. You know, the Bible says that the the man that is hung on a tree is cursed. There's a verse, okay? And Jesus, when he died, he became the man that was hung on a tree, a wood stick, a cross, he became the cursed one so that we don't have to carry the curse on our shoulders. That's what we are saved from. We never have to worry about when things don't go well, you don't have to you don't ever have to worry like, oh, am I cursed by God? No, you're not. You're blessed. You are favored by God. If you put your faith in Christ, and you really believe that that's what He took away. You live a life of a blessed one. That is a craziest thing you ca- that could happen to you. Man, he broke that curse. And I hope everyone here believes in Jesus. But through that, we are saved from the curse. Now we are all blessed. Can you turn to your neighbor and tell them that? You are blessed. You are not cursed. You are blessed. Okay, last one. You know, I talked about a lot of it. The first one was what? We're saved from punishment. We're forgiven, right? Second thing is we're saved from the wrath, the wrath of God. Thirdly, we are saved from the consequences of sin. Fourth, we're saved from the curse. Now we are blessed. Wow, you guys are listening. And then here's the fifth thing. We're saved from... um, How should I... mm, um there's no one word. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just explain, okay? This is where we're saying from. Today and now we also still struggle with sin. Is that not true? Right? Today I told you I yelled at somebody on the phone, right? And I I sin probably on a daily basis, if not like hourly basis, right? <laughs> We still struggle with this thing called sin. But I really want us to bring the truth that we just talked about, the four different things, how the sin has been broken off, how that really manifests in our daily life, okay? Is, you know, we talk about like sin and, you know, oh, sin of, Hurting someone's feelings, sin of being rude. Those are like the small character lacking type of sins. But, you know, we're talk also talking about some serious stuff, like habitual sins that we deal with, bondage, stronghold. People usually put it that way. You know, the secret sin that you don't tell anybody, but you struggle with it for like a decade, you know, ever since you were a child. Things like that. Um, I really want us to. I, re, I really want, to, want this room, the, you guys, to walk away from this room filled with hope. That's not what I really want to get at. Because all these things, yeah, yeah, consequences and curse and all that, yeah, that's good. But what about my daily struggle with sin? You know, And I'm here to really preach to you that, that bondage and stronghold and the habitual sin, God made also a way for you. Okay, he's not just taking away the original sin. He's not just taking away the concept of sin, whatever. But he also will walk in and set you free from the habitual sins that you deal with on a daily basis. And I'm here, standing here as a testimony of that as well. Um, you know, I really, I'm going to just leave the staff and student leaders to run with it. Because I know that's what they do. And if you're not in familiar, I want to encourage you to sign up for one. Because familiar is where you're going to be able to apply all these truths into your life. I really want to encourage you. And if you signed up, go to one, okay? Don't just sign up and not go. If you signed up, show up. Go. Go and be discipled. And I really want to tell you, yeah, the corporate worship, hearing the word, but where, where are you going to walk it out is really in the setting of community, your familia. your girls, Your boys, sharing lives together, that's where it's going to actually be applied to your life. So don't just, you know, let the word of God eat your ears and, oh, that was good, and then forget about it tomorrow. But live it out. Go to Familia. And I really want to encourage you. That's where my life was transformed as well, guys. You know, go to Familia. That's not my point, but go to Familia. And I'm going to just, you know, I know the staff, the student leaders here. Man, they are anointed ministers of God. You guys have to know that. And they really know how to minister with the Spirit's leading. And I've seen so many testimonials semesters before you, semesters before you, before, before them, before them. The, the generations of Emmaus, they were set free from their addictions, from their all sorts of stuff, guys. And they are just walking in such freedom and victory. And I really want to encourage you. It's also your story as well. No matter bondage, whatever, stronghold, I really want to encourage you, be filled with hope. You are not a slave to sin anymore. All these things were taken out. The big roots, the curse, you know, the all I talked talk about, those big roots are pulled out already. And, you know, all y- oh, you got to take care of is those little stuff. And it's not that difficult for the Lord who, who really sent his son to take care of the matter of sin. It's not too difficult for God. Sometimes you make it too difficult. You keep it hidden. You keep it, under the, um, you keep it from the lights. You want to keep it on, in the darkness. You know, oh, i just take care of it. You know, it will just go away. You know, man, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Just keep it hidden. That's not how it works. Bring it to the light confess it to your brothers and sisters share your struggles receive prayers that's how you will receive your deliverance that's how you are going to get sanctified hiding is not a way you're going to bring it to the light and he will be faithful to set you free i had my years and years of struggle in different areas i'm just going to be really vulnerable and open you may feel awkward okay but don't be awkward that's going to make me even more awkward okay (laughs) I oh I feel very awkward. (laughs) Um, um, I had like eating disorder for six years of my life, all my high school years, and then three years into my salvation as well. Six years of intense bulimia, where I could not hold down any food because I had to constantly force myself to throw up. Because I had all sorts of issues, insecurity, I wanted popularity, I don't know you know, the vanity, all that stuff. It was a very deep root because I was um, always on a diet ever since I was like 12 years old. And I hated myself, hated how I looked. And all these things, issues are, you know, you know, if you keep something hidden for such a long time, because it was a secret sin of mine. Nobody knew about it, okay? Even my college roommate didn't know about it. We shared a room and a bathroom. She didn't even know because, I did such a good job hiding it, but it didn't break off until I brought it to the light. I confessed. I told people about it. I felt ashamed. I felt embarrassed, but I had to talk about it to really be free from that, okay? And it, it's not, when, when we say deliverance, guys, it's not exorcism. Don't think of that movie, please, okay? I didn't go like this or <laughs> walk on my two feet. and t- I didn't do that at all. It was actually just really simple Prayer that I received from a sister, and from that night on, I never threw up ever again. Okay, six years of daily struggle—I threw up like five to ten times a day. I will eat one cracker and I will have to force it out because I just was so afraid of gaining weight, you know. And um, too long, but one prayer from a sister. Done. Never again. Freedom right there. And a few months later. Once that bondage was broken off, I started to really love myself. Now I love myself too much, maybe. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) You know, I love myself because I know God loves how I look. He loves me inside and out. This is how he created me to be, and I I love it. I love how it is, you know. Um, But bring it to the light. Another thing that no one wants to talk about, sexual sin. I started masturbating. Yes, I said it. When I was like six years old, I don't even have memory of how it started. I don't know how it started. I didn't have a concept of even, you know, oh, girls and boys have different bodies. I didn't have a concept of that. That's how, when I was young, the enemy entered into my mind and started that stronghold. Age, probably like five, I don't even know. So I can't really tell you when, but that started and it went on for two decades. Four decades, guys. And I got set free probably three, four years ago, right? That was a long journey. Do you guys think that, don't you guys think that I probably believe that I would live with this forever? And don't you guys think that for a girl, it's even more shameful to talk about, you know, because even at church, you know, people make it look like, sound like it's a guy thing. It's a every guy struggle and no girl struggles with it. Heck no. Don't, don't lie to me. <laughs> you know, but that's how it sounds like when it's brought up, you know, because no one, no girl wants to talk about it. You know, but once you bring it to the light, you will find out that it's not its not my thing to be ashamed of. It's just the devil's work. It, just gets, it can just be broken off of your life, and you're free. You are pure. I'm innocent. I'm pure. God has made me to be a... a yeah, pure, <laughs> right? And, you know, when you talk about these things, like, you don't feel ashamed anymore. That guilt and shame, and I'm going to keep it to myself. People are going to judge me. I don't care. He saved me from all those things. I am saved in its entirety. I'm saved. Another way, not just deliverance, guys. You know, oh, my, maybe some of you are really just holy and you don't really struggle with anything praise the lord (laughs) good for you but you know but that the, the character issue sanctification is for you right becoming like christ on daily basis he also leads us and saves us from even those tiny little sins on daily basis holy spirit is working inside of you you know turning you into the image of jesus christ so that you will be more and more like him that's another way that God saves you on a daily basis from sin. In its every way that I talked about, review, review, review. The punishment, the, the rest, right? The consequences, whether you're a victim or an offender, the curse, and the the deliverance aspect, and the sanctification aspect. In all these ways that I talked about, you are saved from sin. Complete salvation. There's nothing that's left that you got to work for. There's no residue that you got to take care of. It's all him. And you're saved by grace through faith. That's the pure gospel. You are saved. I want to take this time to pray for some people. So if I could get yes Pastor David on guitar